And when I was a kid, uh, I had a couple of things in my life that caused me to just be enamored by this. I watched the movie Space Camp. I don't know if anybody ever watched that movie, but I thought it would always be cool to go to space camp and maybe launch a shuttle and go into space. And then when I was a kid at our school, we always had, every time there was a shuttle launch, they would set up a few rooms and we would gather as a student body and we would actually watch the countdown and the shuttle launch and just was always enamored by this impressive display of power and human ingenuity that we would be able to build a spacecraft and then create the, the fuel necessary and the rockets necessary to, to thrust that shuttle skyward and actually get it to the place where it could break the gravitational pull of Earth. It takes an enormous amount of energy to get that shuttle out of Earth's gravitational pull. In fact, it's called escape velocity. It's the speed that a shuttle has to reach in order to break away from Earth and to get out of that gravitational pull. The space shuttle has to reach a speed of seven miles per second. Seven miles per second. That's about 25,000 miles per hour. It's an amazing amount of speed that that shuttle has to get to in order to break away from Earth. It's almost as if Earth is, is just destined to hold that shuttle down for all it's worth to keep it here, to keep that shuttle from doing what it was designed to do, to fly in space. But the shuttle has to get enough thrust and energy and power and speed to break out of that pull so that it can enter into orbit to do what it was designed to do. When you need to break out of the gravitational pull of your past in order to become everything God designed you to be and do everything God intended for you to do, you will need more thrust and power and energy than you could ever muster on your own. You need God to deliver you. The story of the Exodus in Exodus 14 really is a story of God's deliverance. It's God acting on behalf of his people to set them free. When we pick the story up in the beginning of Exodus 14, Egypt has already let Israel go. Pharaoh's already decided that he's had enough of this God of Israel who keeps throwing these plagues at him, and so he gives up. He throws in the towel. He lets Israel go. But Israel doesn't just escape Egypt by the skin of their teeth. On their way out, God favors them. And they begin to ask Egypt for things, and Egypt gives it to them. Exodus 12, 36 says, like a victorious army, Israel plundered Egypt. This is not Israel just getting out by the skin of their teeth. This is God releasing his people, delivering them from Egypt, and them not leaving empty-handed. They're leaving with more than they can handle almost, because Egypt is giving them what they've asked for. We learn something about God here, that God wants his people to be free from those things that keep them from becoming what he wants them to be. Remember, Israel was in slavery. They were under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. They were doing hard labor for Egypt, and they cried out to the Lord. And God heard their cries, and he remembered the covenant he made with their forefathers, and he delivered them. He set them free. 
In Exodus 14, we find out that God's not done setting them free from Egypt. He's gotten Pharaoh to let them go, but now God wants to truly deliver them from Egypt. And so he tells his people to march toward the sea. And where God is positioning them right now is between Egypt and a barrier that they cannot cross in their own strength or power. He's in essence leading them into a trap, a place where Egypt is at their back and Egypt is going to pursue them. And when they look forward to the place God wants to take them, there's a sea in front of them. They can't get where God wants them to go and their past is beginning to pursue them. They're entrapped. What we find out in Exodus chapter 14 is that God planned this. God brought them to this place in their journey where they were between a rock and a wet place so that God could set them free from Egypt. God led them to this place where they were trapped to entice Egypt to pursue them so that God could once and for all defeat Pharaoh and his army. In verse four, he says, I have planned this so that I can receive great glory at the expense of Pharaoh and his armies. You see, sometimes I think God creates a showdown in our lives between our past where we've come from, those things that want to pull us back and hold us back from what God wants us to become and the future that God has for us. God leads us to these places where we confront that reality that we can either go back to where God has delivered us from or we can go forward into all that God has for us. And he brings us to those places for a very specific purpose so that when he delivers us, we will know that he is the Lord. And so that the people around us will know that he is the Lord. And so that through it all, God will receive great glory. God leads his people to march toward the sea and to camp there. And Pharaoh realizes, wait a minute, we just let all of our workforce go. We've got to chase them down. And so he gets his army all of his horses, all of his chariots, all of his charioteers, and they chase after Israel in hot pursuit. I don't know if anybody here ever watched the Dukes of Hazard, but I did. Roscoe P. Coltrane in hot pursuit, okay? That's what Pharaoh was doing right here. He got his army together and he's chasing after them. He wants to catch Israel. And it's at this moment that that Egypt is putting on a full court press to get Israel back. Isn't this how it works in our lives? God saves us, he delivers us, and we're set free. And we experience that freedom. But then there is a moment in our journey. Sometimes it happens very soon after we are saved and delivered by God. Other times it might take a while. But there's a moment in our journey where we come face to face with this reality that our past is not going to give up without a fight. Our past is going to put on a full court press to get us back, to have us return to the place that God delivered us from. What if we started seeing these moments, not just as annoyances from our past that crop up from time to time. What if we started seeing them as showdowns that God creates in our lives between our past and our future, between where God delivered us from and where God is taking us so that he can deliver us from our past 
and help us break the gravitational pull so that we can enter into all that God has for us? What if we started seeing these things not as temptations meant to trip us up or or test us, but what if we started to see them as spiritual formation battles that God wants to fight and win in us and on our behalf? You see, God leads his people in Exodus 14 into this trap to entice Egypt to pursue them so that God can defeat Egypt and deliver Israel from them. And he does that so Israel will know he is the Lord, so Egypt will know he is the Lord, and so that he will receive great glory. So Pharaoh's pursuing Israel, and Israel looks back, and he's there. He's caught up with them, and his armies are bearing down on them. And in that moment in the story, we realize that God has not just orchestrated this so that he can defeat Egypt. He has orchestrated this because there's work that he wants to do in Israel. See, it's not just about defeating Israel's enemy. It is about changing Israel to be more of who he has created them to be. There's interior work that needs to happen in Israel's heart, and God is committed to do it in the story. Notice their lack of trust. As soon as they see Pharaoh's army approaching, they cry out to the Lord not to be delivered. They cry out to the Lord because they're convinced they're going to die. They don't trust God to free them. They don't trust God to deliver them from this attack. They they believe they're going to die. They cry out to the Lord, and then they look at Moses and say, why in the world did you bring us out here to die? And it's as if they don't remember what just happened in their own story. They were in slavery in Egypt. They were under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh and God delivered them. Now here they are again with the same enemy bearing down. If God's defeated them once, can't he do it again? But they don't trust him. How many times in our lives do we fail to trust that God can deliver us? How many times do we miss entering into all that God has for us because we simply lack the ability to trust him? Notice their lack of devotion in this story. As soon as Pharaoh's army is coming, not only do they think they're gonna die, but they they look at Moses and they say, didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were in Egypt? It was so much better there. And I want to just call time out in the story and say, wait a minute, you guys were in slavery, you were in oppression, and you cried out to God, don't you remember? You wanted to be free, and God remembered the covenant he made with your forefathers, and he delivered you. You didn't do that for yourself, God did that on your behalf. Don't you remember? the reality is what we learn about Israel here is that they're not fully devoted to God yet. They've been in the culture of Egypt, and yes, they're God's people, and yes, they've been crying out to God, but they've been enculturated by Egypt. They've been exposed to Egypt's gods, and there's something in them that says this God that's supposedly delivering them is not capable of taking them all the way to the promised land. Let's just go back to Egypt. It's better there. 
This happens in our lives where we are torn between our past and our future. We believe God's leading us somewhere, but it seems like a hard journey. It seems like a journey full of sacrifice and commitment, and we might have to give things up or lay things down, and it might be challenging at points. In fact, there might be parts of our journey where it seems harder than when we were enslaved. But are we devoted to God? Do we believe that this God that we are following is good and that he has our best interests at heart? And even if it is hard and even if it requires sacrifice, it is worth it because he is taking us to a destination that's worth going to. Are we devoted to God? The Israelites seem to lack that devotion. They just wanted to go back to Egypt. They lack trust. They lack devotion. They lack desire. It was like they, they wanted to be free when they were enslaved. They cried out to God, please set us free. Please send a deliverer. And then God does that. And now that they're out of that bondage, now that they're not enslaved any longer, they realize this is going to be way harder than we thought. This is going to cost us something. We're going to have to do work here. This is going to be challenging. This isn't going to just be a bed of roses. This isn't going to just be an easy path. There are going to be challenges in front of us. In fact, there are parts of this journey right now that seem harder than it did when we were enslaved. They seem to lack the desire to go all the way with God to receive the freedom that he has for them. How many times in our lives Do we say to ourselves that we wish we were free? How many times do we cry out to God and ask him to free us, and yet somewhere deep inside, we are not willing to lay down the other gods that we have served and worshiped, to lay down the habits or sinful patterns that are in our lives, because we like them. There's something comfortable and familiar about them, and we're not really willing to pay the price to be free. Lack the desire. Israel lacked trust, devotion, and desire, and God sees that. And he's not willing to let them stay there. So he challenges them, he invites them, he calls them forward by issuing a command. He speaks through Moses, and this is what he says to the people. Don't be afraid, God will fight for you. You won't even have to lift a finger. So break camp and get moving. Now, when I read this, it seems like a paradox to me because what God is saying to them is, listen, you guys don't have to do anything. God's gonna fight for you. You won't even have to lift a finger. God's got this. He'll take care of it. So get moving. It seems as if out of one side of his mouth, God is saying, just sit passive and wait for God to do the work. God will take care of you. God will fight for you. God will protect you. God will defeat Egypt. But then out of the other side of his mouth, he's saying, but you have a responsibility to do something in order to move toward freedom. And as I've been thinking about this the last few weeks, what I've realized is it's almost as if God is asking them to be passively active. To have this fundamental belief that it is God who will deliver us, that it is God who will fight for us, and that if God doesn't fight for us, we will be defeated. We will not be set free. But with that trust that God is the one who will do it for us, we have a responsibility to cooperate with God and move towards the freedom that he is making available to us. 
God says to Israel, I'll fight for you. You won't even have to lift a finger, but you need to get moving. And so they do. And as soon as they begin to do what God has asked them to do, the angel of God, represented in this story by the pillar of cloud, goes behind Israel. Up to this point, the pillar's been leading them and they've been following it, but now the pillar moves behind them to stand between them and Egypt. And the pillar becomes for Egypt, darkness they can't see. For Israel, the pillar becomes light. So Israel will know where they're going and what they're doing. This is God giving his people home field advantage. This is God stacking the deck against Egypt and for his people because this is what God does. Because here's what you need to know about God. God wants you to be free. God wants to deliver you. This is who God is. He is a savior. He is a deliverer. That's what he wants for us. God stands between Egypt and his people. And then he tells Moses, expertly played by Charlton Heston, I might add, to raise his staff. And Moses raises his staff and the waters are piled up and the people of Israel can walk through the sea on dry ground. God has made a way. He's showed them the path to go, to move forward, to enter into the freedom. And yes, it's God who's doing it. God's protecting them from Egypt. God's splitting the waters. God's making the ground dry. They can walk through it only because of what God has done. But they have to break camp and they have to take the journey. They have to be passively active. They have to let God do what only God can do. But they have to cooperate with him so that they can be free. Pharaoh's army follows Israel into the seabed and You know the story. They're thrown into confusion once they're there. Their wheels are falling off their chariots. They they can't do anything right. They don't know which way is up. And the Egyptian army even testifies, the God of Israel is fighting against us. Remember way back at the beginning of Exodus 14, God says, I'm going to deliver you so that all of Egypt will know that I am the Lord. Pharaoh's army's in the seabed and they don't know which way to go. They can't make any progress. Israel makes it to the other side and God commands Moses, hold up your staff and the waters crash down on Pharaoh's army and they are defeated. Not a single person survived. God rescued his People. And at the end of Exodus 14, what we find is that all of Israel was in awe of God and they put their faith in him. You see, what God was doing in this story is he was asking them to, to demonstrate their trust and their devotion to God by believing that he would deliver them. And he was asking them to demonstrate their desire for freedom by breaking camp and walking through on dry ground. And when they did it, God showed up and God delivered them and they were in awe of him and they put their faith in him. It's a great story of God's deliverance. I think there are some implications for our lives that I wanna share as we move to a close this morning. 
Implication number one, we must recognize in our lives that we have things that are pulling us back, things that are keeping us from becoming everything God wants us to be, things that prohibit us from becoming what God intends for our lives. It's the gravitational pull. And we have to recognize that. Sometimes that might be the lifestyle we lived before we came to faith. It might be a sinful pattern or habit that we just cannot seem to break away from. It might be an addiction. It might be relationships that keep pulling us in the wrong direction. It might even be a religious experience that's been a high point in our past that we keep looking back to and we believe that's the ultimate work of God and because we're so enamored with what God did back there, we miss what God has for us now or in the future because we're looking back there all the time. Whatever it is that keeps us from what God has for us, that is our past and it's got a gravitational pull and it keeps pulling us back. Second thing I think we need to realize, another implication of this story is that God wants us to be free from that gravitational pull. We must come to understand this about God. God is a savior. He is a deliverer. He wants to rescue you and me and all of us from those things that keep us from becoming who God wants us to be. God wants us to be free even more than we do. That is his desire for our lives. And so he brings us to moments and seasons in our lives where we encounter these places where we want to go forward into what God has for us, but man, our past seems to be drawing us backwards and there's something enticing and attractive about where we've come from and we don't know which way to go. God is always calling us forward. We have to recognize that gravitational pull and we have to recognize that God wants us to be free from that. And when we do, it opens us up to the third implication of this story, that we must cooperate with God in his saving work. We must, like Israel, be, become passively active to have this deep sense in our hearts, this deep and enduring trust that God has to be the one to deliver us. We cannot muster that kind of energy or strength or power on our own. We need God to do that work for us. And so we must have trust and absolute dependence on him to do what only he can do. And at the same time, we must be actively engaged, cooperating with him in his saving work so that we can go where he wants us to go, so that we can move into the future he has for us. Gets tricky when we talk about our active part in the journey because it depends on where we are in the process. Sometimes we're at a place in our journey where we don't know the way forward. We don't know or see a way out. And in those moments, what it means for us to be actively engaged is that we are seeking God. We don't know which way God wants to take us. We don't know where deliverance will come from, but we start to realize in our journey that we want to be delivered. And so we cry out to God and we seek him. 
Think of the Israelites before Pharaoh let them go, before Moses ever showed up on the scene. They were in slavery. They were under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh and they were crying out to God. Some of you are at a place in your journey today where you want to be free, but you don't see a way out and you don't see a way forward. Seek God Cry out to him and ask him to deliver you. That's what it means to be actively engaged with him if you find yourself in that kind of season. Others of you are in a season of life where it's not about seeking God, it's about waiting on him. God started to open the way. He started to to create a path forward and you're starting to see his work in your life and you just need to wait patiently for God to deliver you out of whatever it is you are in. Think of Israel when they were facing the 10 plagues. They had been seeking God and now God was starting to make a way. He was starting to deliver them. They could see it. It was at hand, but it wasn't here quite yet. And so they had to be patient. They had to wait on God to do his work. Some of you will find yourself in that kind of season today where you believe God is working. He's setting you free. He's delivering you, but it's not quite here yet. Keep waiting Don't short-circuit the work of God by giving up on him. He wants you to be free and he will deliver you. Stay the course with him. For others of you this morning, being actively engaged with God is just about simple obedience. God's given you the next step. He's told you what to do. You know where you're supposed to go and what the next thing is that you need to give that up or you need to start doing this or you need to be engaged in this activity or this group or you need to go here and do that. Whatever it is, God's already given you instructions. He's told you to break camp and get moving and for you to be actively engaged, cooperating with him, it just means simple obedience. Simple obedience. Whatever it is, whether it's seeking, waiting, or obeying, it's all built upon this trust and absolute dependence that it is God and God alone who can and will deliver you. The question is, will you cooperate with him in his saving work?